The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to talk about why the Bulls and Bucks are the new top rivalry with Milwaukee and Chicago. We're going to talk about Green Bay Packer fans falling in love with wide receivers. They are not going to draft yet again. And then lastly, we'll talk about Marquette's ceiling as we preview the weekend, which should be a banger uh, here in the city of Milwaukee. Um, make sure that you listen to our podcast with Shea Ken. It was really great. I really enjoyed talking to him about the Shamrock Shuffle, some bar crawl do's and don'ts, um, little sports thrown in there. Um, Shea didn't know where he would be early uh, in the in the evening. He or the afternoon, excuse me. He's going to be at Whitetail from twelve to three, Red, White, and Blue six to ten. Brothers tend to close. So if you're going to Marquette game, pop in, say hello, um, say you listen to the pod. Um, I don't know if I'll be bouncing around. I think about three or four o'clock. Me and the boys are going to get out, stretch our feet, um, get ourselves uh, properly acclimated for the Saturday festivities. Um, also, too, before we get going today, I want to just always remind you, tapping the keg on social media. Uh, that's our Twitter account, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Please follow at least on a couple of them. We'd appreciate it. We also have our March Madness tournament open. Um, we'll start promoting that pretty heavily. I would love to get some prizes involved from people that have been following us who might want to kind of grow their awareness. Um, the DMs are open. I might reach out to a few people this weekend as well. It's on my to-do list to try to see if we can get some more people, get it shared out more, have a big-ass tournament, have some big prizes. Right now, it's only going to be top three. But if we get enough participants, we could definitely go up to top five. It is private, so it's sent out by link. If you need the link, please let me know. I will try to have it on my story consistently. The password is capital D daily tap with the D being capitalized. So that that's what it is. Um, hopefully everybody will enter. But yeah, please, if you want to get involved in some way, uh, feel free to reach out. I would love to have you be a part of it um, and love to partner with whomever. And we can talk about different things that we could do besides just the, just the, you know, doing some sort of prize pack or a gift card or something like that could go definitely beyond that. But that's a sales pitch for another time. That's not for, for this podcast. Let's talk Bulls Bucks. Let's talk the weekend. Get all excited for it. The Milwaukee Bucks head to Chicago for quite possibly the biggest Bulls Bucks game in history. And I know that that seems like hyperbole and you're like, Charlie, you're crazy. But the Bulls and Bucks really have never been good at the same time. Now, there were a little bit of overlap in the 80s, but as the Bucks were sort of starting to fade to mediocrity, the Bulls were starting to go on the rise with some guy named Michael Jordan. I do think the Bulls and Bucks played in the playoffs in the 80s at one point. I'd have to fact check that. But I they, they did really have not had this intersection of success. And so the fact that these two teams are linking up is one thing. Then you add the Grayson Allen element to it, and now you have a full-blown must-see television event between the Bulls and the Bucks. ESPN wisely shifted this game, and there will be a ton of eyeballs on this 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 game because everybody is willing waiting to see what might happen to Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen 
is one of the greatest villains in the NBA. Now, is it unjust that Grayson Allen's a villain in the NBA? Absolutely. I felt bad looking back on it when Allen got traded to the Bucs. I said, well, he's our asshole and we're going to embrace him and he's going to be our guy. And someone commented like, he's not that bad of a guy. And then his girlfriend, now fiance, congratulations. Like, I think she either liked the tweet or she said preach. And I was like, damn, kind of feel bad. Like, I, I kind of felt like I was a dickhead um, doing that to Grayson Allen. But at the same time, I, everything rings true. We're going to defend Grayson Allen. It was a hard foul. The fact that Bulls fans act like a bunch of pussies when their 90s Bulls team gave hard fouls out every game is just a fact of mis, misinformed. It's people who are of the younger generation who do not remember the 90s. I hate to sound like an old man here, but that's what it is, right? It's a lot of people who don't know what the 90s were like and don't understand that basketball sometimes meant hard fouls and a hard foul sometimes mean you get hurt. You can get hurt taking a floater to the lane and it's a non-contact injury and you tear your ACL or you tear your Achilles, okay? You can pop a hamstring running down the court and that is not inflicted by somebody else. Or if we really want to kind of bring it more into the Grace and Allen sense, you could be defending someone and some other guy runs into you and you dislocate your shoulder. That looked what happened to Derek White tonight in the Boston-Memphis game. Like someone ran right into Derek White and I guess you could say it was dirty and it looked like he dislocated a shoulder or something happened with his out. Like his arm was limp. It did not look good for Derek White, which would be a huge loss for the Celtics. So is everybody going to run and scream and yell at this Memphis player for running directly into him and saying that's dirty, that he ran through him? No. Because that's basketball. Injuries happen. Just like in football, right? Like concussions happen on random plays. It's not always a headhunting play where you're like, wow, that guy got a concussion because of this dirty ass fucking play. The Grayson stuff drove me crazy. It always did. Um, I know we talked about it ad nauseum in this podcast, but obviously it's going to get brought up. And then it doesn't help that Tristan Thompson, a motherfucker who wasn't even on the team when the Bucks and Bulls linked up the first time, but somehow in Milwaukee, somehow they were able to sign Tristan Thompson without any really tampering issues. Tristan Thompson said this, shit, take one of my dogs out like that and we're gonna have issues. We gotta set the tone. Guys are going to play chippy. Yeah, let yeah, let's play chippy. And Bobby Portis liked that tweak. It's going to be a all-out war between those guys. I realize that could sound insensitive with, with what's going on in Ukraine as it continues to get worse and looks could be really fucking bad tomorrow. Still, it, it's just going to be how it's going to be. It's going to be an absolute fight between these two teams. Now, the refs are going to try to do their best. I think you're going to see something similar like you, you would see with baseball where both ref, the refs just warn everybody and say like, hey, look, you're on your best behavior tonight. If we see anything close, we are going to flagrant two and throw you out of this fucking game. Like we're not playing around. We know that, that tensions are running high. And sometimes they say that and then it doesn't even matter and there's a fight. But to me, I think the Bulls care more about this than they do the actual game. Like the Bulls realize that if the Bucks win this game, they go up to either the two or the three seed. That the Bucks basically could be back in the driver's position for the NBA Central Division. 
a division that they really haven't led for since maybe December, maybe even not, maybe November. I mean, the Bucks have not been at this level since the early part of the season, and the Bucks haven't really even played that well. I mean, everybody's been critical of the Bucks. Now, the win on Wednesday was incredible, which staying on that for a second, they were so good to finish that game. You know, they're down by 14 points. All hope looks lost. It looks like they're going to lose to Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Miami in basically two weeks. And then they come from the dead to beat the Miami Heat with just some incredible Giannis plays on both sides of the, the court. Drew Holiday took over at certain spurts. Chris Middleton hit a big shot late, which Middleton has not really hit those clutch three-pointers as often as we've seen in years past. It just seemed like championship bucks again. It seemed like they were ready to go on this run yet again. And if this is the thing that propels their season and all of a sudden we're getting done with Sunday and the Bucks have beat both the Suns and the Bulls over the weekend and everyone's like, oh yeah, the Bucks are the champions, I won't be surprised. It will not surprise me in the slightest. I feel very confident against Chicago. I realize Chicago has been really good at home. I realize that crowd is going to be very loud but the Bucs are going to have the mental advantage. The Bucs have the mental advantage, and they, I think they're going to be dominant. Uh, they, they do not have an answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Even though they added size with Tristan Thompson, he is slower than fucking molasses. Nikola Vucevic is an absolute turnstile. Tony Bradley is irrelevant. They have nobody down low to hang with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hell, they don't really have anybody to hang with Bobby Portis. They just do not match up well against good bigs. And the Bulls have been bad against good teams all season. They do not have many good wins against the top teams in the NBA. It's been a major bugaboo for the Bulls. They are a good team, bad team, or they're, what was it? The bad good team, I think is what Bill Simmons calls NFL teams or like eight or eight and eight or nine and eight or whatever. And they are winning games against some of the dredges of the league. The Bulls take advantage of beating up on teams like the Pistons, the Sacramento Kings, the Orlando Magic. Those are the teams that the Chicago Bulls are beating, not necessarily the Memphis Grizzlies, who they lost to. They also lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, three times. They got beat by the Miami Heat, uh, I think that was, what, Wednesday. They got blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. Like There are a lot of bad losses against good teams. So this would be a barometer for the Bulls to say, look, we can beat these good teams too. But I'm telling you right now, they do not have the mental edge. Maybe DeMar DeRozan does because he's ice water in his veins and he's just a guy that I don't think consumes himself with a lot of this bullshit. But I think the rest of the team, the fan base, everybody's more worried about Grayson Allen than what Giannis Antetokounmpo can do against the sieve of the interior of the Chicago Bulls. So I really do feel good about this game. And as for the rivalry itself, which I know was the topic, so this is more of a Bulls-Bucks preview than the rivalry, but I think with the rivalry itself, it, it is really a big deal. Like the Grayson Allen thing sparked it all. Like all of a sudden, like it means a lot more. There have been some feisty Brewers and Cubs stuff, but now with the fact that the Cubs 
faded to obscurity. I don't think it's as meaningful as it was a couple years ago. Joe Madden also had something to do with that. I think Joe Madden got under a lot of people's skin. I think Ryan Braun not being there, you know, dilutes the rivalry a little bit. I mean, the Brewers did sort of end the Cubs season last year when the Cubs were up 7-0 and the Brewers came back with 15 straight runs. Um, that was sort of the death sentence for the Chicago Chicago uh, Cubs. I was about to say the Chicago Bulls. But yeah, so I do think that this is the premier Milwaukee-Chicago rivalry right now. Now for Bears-Packers, it always will mean something. But again, those two teams have not been good in a long time together. They haven't ran side by side. That to me, that's why and we've talked rivalries on, on the shows when we do Packers about how, you know, the Bear, the Packer Vikings rivalry or Packers 49ers rivalry means a lot more than what the Bears bring to the table. It's fun to shit on the Bears, but it's just not, it's just not the same. It's just not the same sort of thing. So I, I'm really encouraged by just the amount of excitement there is for this. Like it's weird. Like you want these kind of games to mean something. You want to have rivals. It's fun to have rivals. Like I look forward to matchups against the Miami Heat. Right. And like Miami is a real rival for the Bucks. The Toronto Raptors are a real rival for the Bucks. Now, do I like playing Toronto? No, but let me tell you, Toronto is absolutely falling apart. I think they, I don't know if they've won after the All-Star break. They just lost to, or no, they beat the Nets without Kyrie or KD, um, but it was a very close game. They lost to the Detroit Pistons yesterday. Um, they are in quite the free fall here, and it looks like Toronto is going to be a seven or maybe even an eight seed. I'm, I'm not sure. It's it's getting pretty ugly here for the Raps, and they definitely need to find something to turn the corner um, because their season's careening a little bit, which is interesting. You don't expect that, right, with Nick Nurse and everybody, but I guess it happens to the best of them. So we'll see with Toronto, but that's, again, a rivalry. Boston, I would say, is a little bit of a rivalry. I don't know if I would put it on the same level as Miami and Toronto, but I think the rivalry with Boston means something. I think the rivalry with Philly means something. Like the Bucks have acquired a lot. Now that I'm saying this out loud, like the only team right now in the NBA uh, playoffs that the Bucks don't have a little bit of a rivalry with is the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's it. Other than that, I mean, the Bucks are like, fuck all these teams. Like, I mean, that's Charlotte too, I guess. I would put Charlotte in there as well. But like these younger teams, there's no beef. But like Chicago, there was always, you know, that, you know, Milwaukee-Chicago thing. And then Giannis, you know, tackled Mike Dunleavy back in the day, but I I think that it was not a real rivalry until the Grayson Allen play, and then the Grayson Allen play sparked it all, and we'll just see what happens tomorrow. I hope the Bucks are smart. I hope the Bucks don't do anything stupid. Um, we don't need Bobby getting suspended. I know Bobby's going to fight. I know Bobby's going to stand up for what's right, but the Bucks need to come in focus. The Bucks need to not let this shit get to them, and they just need to send a message, and I think they will. And I'm very excited to talk about this one. So I, I've been toying with the idea. I don't want to get anyone too excited because I like my Friday nights. But I have thought about doing some reaction pods, just like quick ones, as like we get closer to the tournament and things like that, where I feel like it'd be more beneficial to have like a morning, like it, call, we can call it the morning after, right? And it's 
15 minutes and we're just knocking out, right? We, it's not necessarily a long podcast. It's literally just talking about the game, maybe bullshitting about something else, and then that's it. And then that's your podcast. And it's so it's more in the moment. Um, I wouldn't say that it's something I'm going to do. Um, I'm just toying with the idea on just on like Fridays and Saturdays um, because I know that, you know, we're going to have opportunities where you kind of want to talk. I think with the NBA, it's a little different um, than with like the NCAA tournament. Like with the NCAA tournament, I think like we're going to want to talk about, you know, Marquette, if they go to the Big East tournament, they go to the Big East final. I realize I'm taking us off a tangent here, but just follow along. Like if they go to the Big East t- title game, like we're going to want to talk about the lead up to that. Like we're going to want to talk about the Friday game and then we'll want to talk Saturday, right? And if Wisconsin, you know, gets to the second round, we'll want to talk that. So more to come there. I'm not fully flushed out on it. It's probably more of an NBA playoff and an NCAA tournament thing than it would be for like a Bulls Bucks. Maybe it's just an Instagram Live. Maybe it's us hanging out in Twitter spaces and talking the next day about the game itself. So I'll figure it out. I'll figure out what makes sense. Feedback, always welcome. Uh, You know that I like to uh, adhere to what the people want. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers and the love of wide receivers. It was the Combine tonight. Um, Combine was really a primetime event. It's crazy that the NFL has basically made everything a big deal. It does not stop the NFL. The NFL is such a fucking machine, man. And the fact that they make everything popular is absolutely incredible. Uh, You know, the Combine being sort of televised at night, um, all eyes on it, and the wide receivers were there. The clocks were way too fast. Um, Chris Olave went from running a 4.26 to a 4.39. Um, so that I don't know how that happens, um, but still a good number, right? And Olave probably not in the 40 range that could be a Packer wide receiver. There are a lot of wide receivers that are available that p- could potentially be around when the Packers draft at 27. Whether it is Traylon Burks, so I probably butchered his name. I'll get better at that. Christian Watson, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. Um, I, I would probably those would probably be the guys. Jahan Dotson. I'm not too high on. I, I don't think Jahan Dotson would be a guy that the Packers would be interested in. He doesn't fit really the Packer mold. But yes, all of these guys would be available for the, could be available for the Green Bay Packers. But wide receivers are going to be readily available in this draft. It is a very good draft for wide receivers, which is beneficial for the Green Bay Packers as Marquez Valdez-Scantling's contract is up. Alan Lazard's contract is up. The Packers do need to kind of rebuild that wide receiver room. Now, do I think they need to keep one of those guys? Absolutely. I think you need to have that veteran presence on top of Devontae Adams. But could you get a guy that basically is your next iteration of Adams very, very possible. George Pickens is another name that I think people should keep an eye on. Um, Sky Moore was a guy that a lot of people liked, but I don't know if Sky Moore is going to sort of fit in what the Packers technically look for. Um, We'll obviously do a lot more on the draft um, as we get closer. Murph and I will have a draft show um, later on in the month of April, probably. But at this point, like we're kind of just picking and choosing, right? We're feeling it out. We're seeing what's there. 
And I look at this and say, okay, we're going to go through this whole process again where Packer fans are going to talk themselves into wide receivers. You're going to have people mock the Packers to have wide receivers. Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round since Javon Walker. You could argue that the time is now for the Packers to take a wide receiver, but I'm just not going to believe it till I see it. I love Traylon Burks. I The fact that Danny Kelly described him as a Debo Samuel with a mushroom power-up a la Super Mario, like that excites the shit out of me. The fact that Christian Watson had just some ridiculous RAS scores, which you know the Packers salivate on, like you have to take him seriously. And you're like, okay, maybe that's some guy the Packers go after. But I just can't bring myself to be like, all right, yeah, they're going to draft a receiver because it's a great receiver draft. They need a receiver. This would continue the Aaron Rodgers appeasement tour. Uh, Tom Clements, um, the, the just sort of bending over backwards for Aaron Rodgers. It would mean getting a guy like a tight end or a wide receiver for Rodgers that would be ready to play day one. And that would be a first round guy. Now what gets lost in the shuffle with the wide receiver discussion, and it drives me crazy, I talk about it every spring, is the Packers have had such good success in the second round, whether it be Greg Jennings or Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson, they have drafted great in the second round for wide receivers. So this idea that Green Bay does not draft wide receivers is such a misnomer because they've done so well in the second round. And sometimes they wait for that value or they try to even maybe trade down and say, all right, you know, somebody wants Sam Howell, right? And we're at 27, you know, why wouldn't we trade down? Because we think that Christian Watson's gonna be available at 31 or we think he's gonna be available at the start of the second round, right? So I I just look at that and I, I feel like we need to level set our expectations, We can't go in there believing we're going to draft a wide receiver. We just fucking can't. We cannot do that to ourselves as fans because we've been burned way too many times. I don't want anybody to get burned. I do not want that. You can say, yeah, that guy would look great in a Packer uniform. Yeah, that guy would like to keep him away from Minnesota or Chicago. But like none of this, like we're going to draft a wide receiver. We're going to draft a tight end. I think... We get way too caught up in need versus who is the best guy for Green Bay and does it help fill a hole? I think last year you could have argued that I don't know if a corner was needed. I mean, there was, again, wide receiver talk. There was talk about, you know, maybe does Green Bay need to do something at the offensive line? Like, corner was a priority. I don't even say it was a priority. I guess with the Kevin King issues, it probably was. But Eric Stokes wasn't the guy that I think a lot of people looked as the the one to be drafted. And then Eric Stokes gets picked. People were a little unsure about it. And Eric Stokes played great. And I think the future is really bright for Eric Stokes. And the idea of Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander patrolling the perimeter is really fun. And the Packers defense, to me, feels more set besides the linebacker position, which they're trying to bring Devondre Campbell back maybe trying to bring back Rasul Douglas as well. but So then I will just flip this here, and this is where you're going to be like, well, Charlie, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I am a little bit, 
But I, what I'd want to say is like, look, you could make the case that the Packers defense is as set as it's been in a long fucking time. The Packers really do not have any holes defensively. Just barring that everybody stays, everybody, no one's leaving, and maybe you keep Douglas and you keep Campbell, like, you don't necessarily need a middle linebacker. If you're like, what what do you think would be the more likely thing Brian Gunacus drafts gone to your head, a middle linebacker or a wide receiver? I would say a wide receiver 10 times over. Like, the Patrick Queen example is a perfect one. Patrick Queen's a guy that people were definitely wanted, definitely thought that he could contribute for Green Bay. And then Queen's now a weak side linebacker in a 4-3 playing for Baltimore. So if he was playing in the in the 3-4, he would be a weak side linebacker there too, which is not, you know, your impact, your impact spot. That's not where you're really seeing the true impact. He would be probably playing kind of what Chris Barnes did this year. I guess that would be it, but I don't know if What's to say Chris Barnes isn't playing as good as Patrick Queen? Patrick Queen's had a lot of problems. Ravens fans, if you read stuff about Patrick Queen, he has not had great, like, there's not a lot of, like, love for Patrick Queen. So it's not like the Packers missed out on fucking Ray Lewis or something. So I think they would draft a receiver over a middle linebacker. And, yeah, middle linebacker would be the only place you would probably need to solve your problems. Unless Adrian Amos wasn't going to take a pay cut and he wasn't coming back, maybe then you need a free safety. But again, it's pretty early to draft a free safety unless it's like an uber-talented player like Kyle Hamilton. And obviously, you're not getting Kyle Hamilton because he's going to go in the fucking top five, top six. So it, that's irrelevant. But my point is, is there is at least a window of opportunity for wide receiver. Even though I'm saying don't fall in love, don't get too excited, because I, I do think it's, it's a futile exercise. It's just... Something the Packers don't do, and you just need to make peace with that. Nothing's changing about that. The only way that it changes is if that's the best player on the board. If George Pickens is on the top of their draft board, and they're like, "He, there's no one else we want to draft. That's our guy. We and he fills a need. We'll draft him." But if an offensive tackle, I'm, I think there's a guy from like Central Michigan who have seen mocked. I again, I this is where I'm way early in the draft. I'm. A, not diving in, it, usually something that's a slow build for me. It, tackle is out there and they're like, all right, we're going to draft a tackle instead because he's higher on our big board, okay? And I think that's something fans miss a lot is like these teams have guys they want to draft in the first round. They have all their guys and it's not the entire board because they don't need somebody. Like Packers aren't putting Malik Willis on their board, okay? But they do probably have like N'Kobe Dean and they have uh, Chris Olave, who again, like I said, probably not going to be around with the Packers draft. And they might have Kyle Hamilton on their board. But again, they're not going to get tried. They're not going to go to Green Bay. And then your board starts running out. This is my whole thing about Jordan Love, which drives people crazy. But Jordan Love to me was their last first round pick on the board. And that's why they traded up for it. Because they wanted to make sure Jordan Love was a Packer because they thought that Aaron Rodgers had taken a step back. Now, they were obviously wrong. They calculated that poorly. But I would argue that it's probably better that they got to this point. I don't know if they get to where they were the last two years without Rodgers seeing Love getting drafted and not being aware of it. 
and then going on Kyle Brandt's show and talking about how it was a four-finger tequila night or a scotch, whatever the fuck it was. But that, to me, signified, like, a change in Aaron Rodgers and told Aaron Rodgers he had to get back to work. And Aaron Rodgers, while he's been a great mentor for Jordan Love and everything is good between Love and Rodgers, and not like the freeze-outs you saw with Favre and Rodgers or Brady and Garoppolo, Rodgers is like, I am not letting this guy get my job. So I do think that part of this whole thing about big boards is, is just that you never know. You don't know what a big board of a team looks like. And so... Yeah, you might have George Pickens on your board. You might be like, well, why wouldn't the Packers draft George Pickens? But their board could say, no, George Pickens, we think a mid-second rounder. We're not drafting George Pickens. That's a reach for us. We're going to take this offensive tackle who's number one on our board right now. And he's our second to last guy in terms of first-round talent. And if all our first-round talent runs out, then we'll fucking trade the pick. We'll get somebody who wants a quarterback. We'll get somebody who wants somebody who's near the top of their board. So, yeah. And that's why Brian Gutekunst also moves around a lot, I think. Because they do, like, have guys in mind. And Brian Gutekunst does not usually stay put. So, who knows? Maybe he moves up. Maybe he gets a guy like Olave at 19 or 20 or something like that where we've seen receivers go. I would be surprised if it's earlier than that. But who knows? You know, you, you do never know. But, yeah, it's it'll be an interesting six to seven weeks because you know that people are going to start banging that receiver drum especially with some of the numbers that came out but yeah don't fall in love with anybody really um because you're just usually going to break your heart because the odds are the odds are against you but yeah let's keep christian watson out of the nfc north could we nfc too preferably but you know that's maybe a taller taller task Speaking of tall tasks, Marquette Golden Eagles have not been playing well. Uh, Marquette struggled against DePaul. They had a lead in the early second half, and it fell apart. It, they, DePaul went on a 13-2 run. The rest was history. Marquette has not been able to develop any sort of consistency in the second half of the season. It's pointed out by some, Marquette is dealing with a young team who's likely not played this much basketball. They are pretty fucking tired. They need as much breaks, as much mental rest as humanly possible. But that's hard to do because you also want to coach. You also want want to work these guys. So it's a tough balance that Coach Shaka Smart is dealing with right now. And it to me, it resets my expectations yet again with Marquette. We've talked about expectations with Marquette really all winter um, where it's been like it went from, okay, yeah, this is a cool story. Maybe it's an NIT team, not just a, you know, milling, like, low-level program. Maybe they actually get to an NIT. They win more games. Then it's like, hey, maybe they can actually get to the NCAA tournament. I think the NCAA tournament's real. Then you beat Villanova for a second time, and you're like, holy shit, this could be, like, a Sweet 16 team, maybe even Elite 8 if the draw really goes well for them. But, like, the sky is the fucking limit. And then since that game... The wheels have kind of proverbially fall, fallen off from Marquette. I mean, they're, I think, three, they've lost five of their last eight. Um, they could potentially be the sixth seed, which we'll talk about here in a second. And you just kind of wonder, okay, is really the hope at this point? You have a successful Big East tournament, whether it be one or two wins. You probably don't want to win out. And then 
get one win in the tournament and be good with that. And and that, to me, just getting to the tournament is a successful season for Marquette. Now, if they were to, let's say, wimp out of the year, and let's say beat St. John's tomorrow, and then they go into the Big East tournament, they lose to Creighton or Seton Hall in that 4-5 matchup, then they're a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, and they lose that game outright as well. That would be a whimper finish. But let's say they go, let's say they beat Seton Hall and they beat Providence. They shock the world and beat Providence in the semifinal. And they get to the final game, they lose to UConn, can't rebound, whatever. They end up getting bumped to like a seven now. And they lose that game first round. I still would find that as a successful year. I'd still define that. I, I, I really would. Or if, you know, it's the crate, like we said, the first scenario, but you add an NCAA win, you beat, you know, the eight, eight seed or you beat the seven seed, that's great. That's, again, successful season. I'm not asking for much, but I, I do think of this team as the round of 32 is their ceiling. It's not Sweet 16 anymore, it's not Elite Eight by far. Um, the Marquette just is not at that level. Um, just yet. I think next year, I think they totally could be. So all the guys they have coming back, now they have to figure out how to replace what Daryl Morsell brought to this team. Just an absolute dog, a complete fighter, and if Justin Lewis doesn't stay. Now, I think he should. I think the NBA people will tell him he should stay and hopefully work on his defense and get a little stronger. Uh, but I, yeah, if you don't have don't either of those guys, it could be quite the growing pains yet again, unless Shaka just starts dominating the transfer portal like he did last year. So we'll see. We'll certainly see. Um, I look at that St. John's game. St. John's is always pesky. They're never a team that you really want to play at the end of the year. They throw a little press at you. That's never fun. Um, and St. John's is playing okay basketball. Um, they're, three, they're three and two in their last five with two of those wins coming against Xavier and one coming against Butler. Um, they did lose to DePaul at home uh, on Sunday. Or no, that was away, but they lost to Creighton at home. So yeah, this should be a fun matchup. Uh, St. John's also not very good defensively. Um, they are seventh in Kempom. Matchup perspective, St. John's is not great at defending the three. They've struggled all year. They've struggled in the Big Ten. They're seventh in Kempom in stopping the three. They're not great even at stopping the two either. Really where St. John's lives is their turnovers. They are tops in Kempom in turnover percentage. Uh, St. John's does do pretty well on the offensive glass. They're fourth in the Big East. So that could be a problem for Marquette as they try to do that. They're a brutal free throw shooting team though. 65% dead last in the Big East. Um, so that is a clear problem for the, for the Johnnies. So if they are down late or they have a lead, the door will always be open because this team cannot shoot free throws. And also it'll be a late game, be a body clock game for St. John's being an eight o'clock start uh, central time and nine o'clock for the for the, the Red Storm. I almost said the Red Men. Uh, we don't say that anymore. That was like their their name in the 90s, which inherently racist. I'm not, not a good one, but yeah. We'll see what happens. And Marquette needs to win because if they don't win, um, they could potentially be looking at a sixth seed. And you do not want that because that, even though it means a game against Georgetown, Georgetown's awful, um, 
it does also mean that you do not get a buy and you do not get a buy and get to get another day of rest. And like we talked about, there's no team that needs more rest than Marquette. So we'll see if the Golden Eagles can get it done. Um, eight o'clock for a night day that I'm supposed to be drinking most of it. I'm not exactly great, but we'll figure it out. We'll survive. Um, trust me. I'll figure, I, I always do. When there's a will, there's a way. Could that review be a little drunk? Yes, that's very. there's a very good chance of that. As for other games to keep an eye on this weekend, you have the Badgers against Nebraska on Sunday. I think that's just a massive, like, don't look too hungover in that game. We'll see if the Badgers are able to sort of rein it all in and bring it, bring it all home and win the Big Ten outright, which they have a real opportunity there. And then you have Bucks Suns also on Sunday. Um, it's kind of forgotten with all the stuff going on with Bucks Bulls. Devin Booker also in protocol, so there there's that part on top of Chris Paul. I'd like Booker to play. Um, that just makes it a little more fun. Um, so we'll see if the Bucks can avenge their loss to the Suns uh, three weeks ago, and you know if they can go one one this weekend on top of what they did to the Heat and the Hornets. Pretty good week for the Bucks. And definitely pointing in the right direction. Um, and they will continue to trudge on. And the West Coast trip for them is looming next week as they have the Saturday night primetime game against the Golden State Warriors. So when we'll certainly talk about that next week. Um, we'll be back on Monday. Um, if you're out and about Saturday, make sure you say hi. I um, would love to see you. love to talk to you. Um, I'm sure I'll try to get... I, I, I do such a bad job of like telling Instagram where I am because I feel like that's a great way to be like, hey guys, I'm at so-and-so place and then I just fucking forget. Uh, I'm terrible with stories. So maybe I need to put a reminder in my phone. I'm not sure. But um, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll have a good time. Um, definitely a lot of drinks will be consumed for sure. But yeah, take care of yourself. Um, like I said, back Monday, we'll recap Bulls Bucks. We'll recap Bucks Suns talk about the college games we'll get you ready for the big east tournament the big 10 tournament um and anything else that uh comes across the wire maybe an aaron Rodgers signing that would be some shit right it's bulls box everybody's ready and aaron Rodgers uh does his extension right as the game starts that would be perfect very on brand might have to text mitch that because i think he he that's like what mitch like that's worst case scenario for mitch mitch will be back next week by the way in case you're missing Good old Mitch Pratt. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. We'll talk Monday. Bye.